Hi, this is Eric Roberts, and you're listening to $2 Late Fee Ngawa. Before there was IMDb.com, there was Zach and Dustin. You know those guys who think they know everything about a movie without having to go on the internet to look it up? That's us, but maybe only for the years 1981 through mid-1989. No, I'd say late 1978 through early 1992. (laughs) Either way, we know movies. And even more specifically, we know soundtracks from those movies. Yeah. This is $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. This is the podcast where we pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it still holds up today. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Thanks for listening. On to the show. A team is not a team if you don't give a damn about one another. Who said that? Who said that? That was uh, Abraham Lincoln. Gettysburg Address, line five. <laughs> uh, it feels like we're kind of at that point in society where, like, that's just what addresses are. You know, it's just like, although that's, a team is not a team if you don't give a damn about one another is, like, a very nice sentiment. It is. Um, so that's not something our president would ever say. <laughs> he would be like, I am amazing. Thank you for coming tremendous. <laughs> You're giving him a lot of a lot of credit. I am, because even thank you yeah. is not something he would, he would ever not say. Even thank you. Uh, but we are talking yeah. about. <laughs> oh right, that was not Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> yeah. That was a, that was a funny that I was making. Um, that was James Earl Jones in the 1989 classic martial arts film, number one in your martial arts movies, number one in your martial arts movies soundtracks number one in your sports movies soundtracks and maybe in your top five movies of all time depending on your mood and and various things in the weather True. the best of the best the best of the best and that's what we're talking about today on our latest episode of two dollar late fee and thank you all for joining us and listening once again but uh we have to tell you this is this is a this is a fun one because this is the the pre-episode to our upcoming interview with one the, the one and only Eric Abraham. No, <laughs> how no. dare you? God, how I just get in the mode and then I just <laughs> I just assume that's all we're talking about. Sorry, Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts. When you say legendary Eric Roberts, that just makes sense. It's like the first person you can say legendary and it's like yeah, because the guy, the, the the dude, the man, the myth, he, the legend, legend. <laughs> <laughs> he has, jinx by me, uh, he has been in, I want to say, five, four, 586, 569 movies. Yeah. I, I've been quoting it so much, and then I stopped quoting it, and then I forgot. You quoted it to him, and once you quoted it to him, that's when you, that's when I, all the magic power was gone, like, and okay, nothing I'm else mattered. Right. I quote it to him. You can listen to that. Um, and you will in about two weeks. But, you know, 15 movies, 15 movies and TV shows a year, he's still doing. Yeah. He's st- and, ha- and has been acting for over 40 years. Yeah. 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 
It's four, yeah, four, four over 40 years. years. Yeah. Good Lord. Yeah, yeah. Legend. <laughs> Absolute legend. The legend. And we will have him on in a couple weeks. But today, yeah, we're talking about the 1989, not masterpiece, as Dustin has uniquely coined, but masterpiece, in my opinion, yes. best of the best. It is a martial arts sports film drama. We're going to dig a little bit into it. We're going to break it down and talk a little bit about it. Talk about what else happened during the year of 1989. Talk about why we love this movie so much. Um, it's directed by Robert Radler, and Robert Radler, you know, I I'm not a, not don't know too much about the guy, other than the fact that he's made uh, other kind of B movie type films. Uh, Do you so- find it interesting that everybody that we encounter with the name Robert, like a la Robert Romanus, goes by Bob? Yeah. Casually, he's he's actually Bob Radler. Bob Radler, I think, officially credited yeah. here. Um, I don't know much about Bob Radler either, so I I don't think we have to spend have, too much time. And we've yet to meet Robert De Niro, but he doesn't go by Bob. I think he does go by Bob. Does he to oh, his personal friend. close friends? Oh. Yeah. Oh, so Bob you're, De Niro. You're saying that Bob Romanus is a close personal friend. Of that is exactly now? what I'm saying. Okay. I'm saying yes when people drop the name. Like Robert De Niro's closest friend, Bob De Niro. I was talking to me and Bob, you know? Yeah. To me, he's Robert Romanus because I didn't meet him personally. You spent a lot of time intimately with him. He's Bob. He is Bob. Yeah. He'll always be Bob. Yeah. And he's, Bob. A great, he's a great guy. And if you haven't listened to that episode, you should because it's it's one of our personal faves. Yeah. I mean, one, every, every I mean, episode. you know, everyone's our personal faves. Yeah. yeah. One of our personal let's, faves. Let's be honest. But this but, one, in... in Specifically, in specifically, specifically, best of the best is uh, a personal fave because, well, when this movie came out in 1989, uh, I was 13 years old at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was heavily into martial arts. Uh, this was uh, at the video store. I was already a fan of Eric Roberts through his films in Runaway Train and Pope of Greenwich Village and The Coca Cola Kid and. Um, uh, uh, so at age Star 13, you had seen all of those movies. Yes, yes. You had seen The Pope of Greenwich Village at 13. Yeah, I was a cinephile, I think, from the age probably seven on. You had seen Star 80. Yes, I did. And we talked about it in the Eric Roberts interview. At, but at 13. I you, saw it you, younger you, than you that. You had seen it. Yeah. You had seen it. Because I think that was 78. Yep. I saw it when I was like eight or nine years old, I think. That's upsetting. It is for upsetting. A lot of reasons. I had a lot of time in front of the TV by myself, unsupervised, when a when that was a thing. Right. Uh, and I was a latchkey kid. My mom worked three jobs. Mom and dad were divorced, so you know, spent most of my time with my mom. And uh, you know, it was I was home alone a lot, and so I would have a lot of time to just flip What's the channel on the tube. Then I see the Star Eighty come on, and I'm like, "What's this?" Yeah. And the opening with um, or the opening scene I saw was when uh, Eric Roberts' character is the, the the song Big Shot by Billy Joel is playing in the background. Uh-huh. And I'm like, wait a minute. Ooh, I love that song. What is this movie? That That's what hooked me oh, in. Oh, wow. Then so I started Billy watching Joel. It. Billy Joel's Big Shot. Okay. You know, um, Dom Perignon, your hand and a spoon up your nose. Yeah. You have to be a big shot, did ya? And I'm watching this going, oh, that's a cool song. Oh, what's, what's this? Yeah. And from that point on, 
that movie did disturb me. I probably had some night terrors because of it. Um, but Eric Roberts, it's a couple of night eh, terrors. Who cares? A couple age. of bed wets. A couple of what a big what's, really. Don't be a big shot. Yeah. So, uh, but then you know, several years later, I see best of the best. Eric Roberts in all his glory with his long hair, his mm-hmm. martial arts skills. Mm-hmm. You'll find out more. I won't tell too much about that. Neither Dustin and I won't. But um, he, I may, you might for the for a price. <laughs> he is arguably, um, you know, he's a scene stealing leading actor, leading man. This was his movie for me where he shined as a hero, and I think I latched onto that. Yeah, and he's a father in the movie. Uh, wasn't a father at the time. And I think I latched onto that too. I loved yeah. father figures in movies a la yeah. Over the Top with Stallone. Uh, a la Cloak and Dagger with Dabney Coleman. Exactly. The rest is history. And um, and yeah, he, he did that. his role as Alex Grady just sucked me in. Uh, and then Philip Ree as Tommy Lee sucked me in. Everybody up and down. James Earl Jones as everybody, Coach Cuso. Everybody was sucking you in? Sucking me in. <laughs> That's really... Sounds terrible. <laughs> I think that uh, it's of note that Eric Roberts generally likes to play kind of, he, he sort of, you know, as he mentions in, in two weeks, uh, he gravitates to more of the, the complex, creepy characters. Yes. Um, I'll let him explain, you know, his role in Star 80. But uh, you were saying that this is like, this is like the first time where he's like a good guy. And even, you yeah. know, even even like watching it now, you, you go back, you watch this movie and it's like knowing his whole oeuvre where there's a lot of creepy guys. There's a lot of like doctor stalkers. There's a lot of uh, axe wielding guest stars. There's a lot of, yeah. you know, seeing him in a good role is is I don't want to say it's jarring. It's refreshing. Yes. It's like, whoa, where is this? been? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he's he's a very convincing father. And like I said, he wasn't a dad at the time. And I mean, yeah, I get it. That's what acting is. But to see him in a, such a what felt like a natural fit. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I think Philip Ree wrote the script. Yeah, he did. He yeah. And I story. And I realize I, I don't want to get too far into this without explaining to the audience what this movie's about yes please Sorry. so um so the best of the best is a movie about essentially about the united states uh national karate team um and there are five five guys who are considered you know the best of the best james Earl jones plays coach kuzo he is the stone cold hearted uh coach who maybe has a sensitive side just buried in there and uh yeah and eric roberts plays alex grady as you said a a, uh, a former national champion who's had some injury problems yep and is given the opportunity to come out and um uh i want to say audition that's not the right word to uh a little trial to, yep. to you know come out and Show off your stuff and see if you can make the squad. In a tournament. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a, they essentially, you know, they we talked a little bit about this watching the movie together. It, the first first five, ten minutes are a little hokey because it's kind of setting up the the main characters. Uh, and But then once you get into this kind of tournament setting, that's when you start realizing, oh, they're, yeah, they're, they're like, 
showing off their skills for the and there's and there's winners and losers and i guess if you win then obviously they don't really explain that too much which is fine it's neither here nor there as far as making the team you mean yeah 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 but they the ragtag group of five right very different characters yes and these five were going to be going on uh to compete ultimately yep in the world championships yes which Um, is held in korea Against the Korean team. Against the Korean team. Who is the best team? Uh, apparent, according to like, you know, yeah, they're the best. According to the, the stats. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just basically set up that these guys are killers, essentially. Uh, literally. Yeah, literally and figuratively. They, they've never lost. And, uh, and the, the, the head fighter from the Korean team, uh, we, we learn in the movie, has, has murdered in a fight. Uh, the younger brother of Tommy Lee, who yep. is played by Philip Rhee, as you mentioned. Yeah, and then uh, and the, the Korean fighter is Dae Han, who is actually played by Philip Rhee's brother, Simon Rhee, which I didn't realize as a kid. No. no, you know, no. We didn't so, have IMDb back then. Certainly not. You're not really paying that much attention. No. You don't know, like, you know, in 89, we're not like, oh, that's Eric Roberts. No, it doesn't, no. It doesn't mean that. You're just like, this is cool. I like martial arts. This is some cool martial arts. Yeah. Um. Very cool. Like at the time, I think I had seen Karate Kid, obviously, and I'd seen a, a myriad of, of martial art movies starring Cynthia Rothrock and Richard Norton. Of course. But uh, nothing nothing really kind of in the sense. I used to describe this as like a Bad News Bears meets Karate Kid. In Interesting. Way. You know, because it because everybody, the five guys all come from five different walks of life. Um, you know, Eric Roberts' character, Alex, is, yeah, he's retired and, and he, he's working at an auto plant in Oregon. Um, uh, Philip Ree, the Tommy Lee, he's, he's, um, he's, he's running a martial arts studio. And then the other three, Chris Penn is like a Sean Penn's Sean, Sean Penn, Sean Penn's brother, Sean Penn's brother, who, whether you, you may know him from Reservoir Dogs, that was one of his bigger, uh, standout roles, but he, you know, he's been in a ton of footloose, all the right moves. Um, and he, he's like this kind of redneck Texan, yeah, uh, with a chip on his shoulder, and racist to boot, yep, uh, or prejudice, or you know, uh, and and that that's a cool like kind of journey that he goes down, uh, and then John Die plays Virgil Keller, and Virgil Keller is like the Buddhist um, monk, you know, Zen. They really like artist. to like mention that a lot in this movie, but almost to Buddhist? the point, yeah, almost yeah. to the point where it's kind of like. See how unusual this is? He's a Buddhist. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's not really that. I mean, I guess maybe at that time, I the feel Western like the, world, yeah. Buddhism wasn't really prevalent. But it's like, the 80s, it's kind yeah. of like making fun of it, but not, you yeah. know, at the same time where it's like, he's a Buddhist. Ha, ha, ha. But we're fine with that. You know, it's just this weird. Yeah, um, it's on the cusp because I feel like yoga and meditation and Buddhism really didn't start hitting until the early 2000s i guess depending on where, where you, you lived, lived yeah. right because i mean yoga has been around and well i mean as far Buddhism as the west been is around. concerned yeah. like i lived in california for right. you know I, during this right. time and and i remember in in the bay area where you know there was a large uh population of like east asian families yeah. you know and and i didn't really learn i mean i didn't learn about it until I, actually this movie like what is buddhism 
And this movie kind of was a gateway for me. Oh, interesting. Yeah, joking. I mean, no, I'm sure it was for for a lot of people. I mean, I I happen to grow up in a Buddhist household, so it was yeah. a little different for me. Yeah, but it was. But it, but it's just kind of this like. See how fucking crazy this is? It's so crazy. That Buddhist stuff. It's so crazy that he believes in, you know, suffering is the first noble truth. <laughs> or whatever. You know, um, not that they get that specific because it's very they don't. Very but broad. but and and I will say as much as as much as maybe there was a level of, um, you know, who knows how deep the script went, but the way it's portrayed on film, it's it's very light. But yeah. they don't take his care. His character is equally on par with everyone else. You know, the the last guy, Sonny Grosso, I related to because he's Italian and, and, from and he's Detroit. from Detroit. And I'm like, I'm Italian. Yeah. I'm from Detroit. Yeah. I can relate to that. And he's and he listens to uh, opera. And right. and you're like, oh, this guy, he looks like a meathead. But then he's listening to like really classical shit. And that's cool. Yeah. And I, I actually, no joke, this movie got me into listening to opera because I thought what? that was cool. Uh, this movie, how long did that last? <laughs> yeah, a few years. Um, really? Yeah, up until the mid '90s. How did you know where to start? Did you just start with what he plays in the in the movie? I I just I, I remember asking my mom. I'm like, can we get some opera? Yeah, you know. And she's like, why? And I think she had a record, an opera record. Cause she's why? Like, well, you listen to uh, Bob Seger and Holy Notes. Yeah. And like, no, mom, I listen to Third Base. Uh, come on. Yeah. And uh, Rick Springfield, and I want to listen to Pavarotti. Yeah. You know, or I didn't even know who Pavarotti was at the time. Anyways, yeah, he, he kind of got me into it. And wow. uh, no joke, this movie had a huge stamp somewhere in my brain mass. If you dig deep enough, yeah. there's there, this is imprinted in me. And um, oh, by the way, the guy who plays um, Sonny Grasso, his name's David Agresta. Uh, and I always was like, what? this guy should be doing more stuff. But he really didn't move on to anything else. But Sally Kirkland is in it. And she, <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, it's just, you're, yeah. like, you're like, by the way, Sonny Gresta. <laughs> just have to I say. I always thought he should be doing more stuff. Didn't happen. <laughs> so, you know, whatever. He's got one credit he, to his name. He only did one movie, The Best of the Best. That's all he did. That's a damn shame. There's probably a story there, honestly, if we look. Yeah, there's got to be. We're gonna have to dig a little deeper on that. But Sally Kirkland's in it. And she's she's a she's a legend in her own way mm-hmm. too. And she plays the like a, a mentor coach kind of. She's like a, a like a spiritual. You know, she kind of comes in like, you guys are working your bodies. We got to focus on the mind. I love that though. Like a mental. That's coach. so cool. When she enters this movie, that was the point where. I uh, and I had been watching this with with Aaron, my wife, where we were like, "How cool would it be if like your job was just to like train physically and mentally, yeah, and basically be the best you possible, and you got paid for that? Oof. Like that would be amazing, yeah. So that's what we're trying to achieve now. That's what we're trying to manifest—a job where you get trained to." Yeah, Sally Kirkland is just like, yeah, you guys, you know how to fight. I'm not going to work on that. But the Koreans are so badass and so hardened mentally that we need to put you in a place where, you know, and you think it's going to go like, oh, well, you know, where you're like, I don't care and I'm awesome and I'm hard and I'm tough. No, it's like gentleness, kindness, relaxing, your mind and your body and your soul. It's very like. And she's holistic. doing yoga with him. She's, she's, yeah, she's yeah. approaching it from love a it. very holistic uh, perspective. I love that too. I love that she, like, 
especially if you think about our age when did how how old were you when you saw this uh the first I have to say i guess i must have been around 12 okay so you were a yeah. kid too yeah yeah and did did it have the same kind of impact on you back then that it that it I thought it was really great, and I, I think it's it was like the first movie where, uh, you know, even at that age, where you you sort of develop expectations to a, a, a martial arts formula. Yeah. Right. There's like good and bad. Yeah. There's good versus evil. There's really no gray areas. Yeah. You know, I think we've spoken a little bit about this. You yeah. know, and like this is how a movie goes. It's like the good guys always win. This movie kind of turns that on its head. It was the first movie, certainly the first martial arts movie that I saw where I was like, oh, not what I expected at all. Yeah. Very cool ending. Yeah. You know, very cool perspective. One of in my, in, obviously, you've heard me talk about it on other episodes. I, I love this movie from top to bottom, T to B, but, uh, but that ending is so impactful. And I mean, if you haven't seen the movie, you should, and if and we'll probably spoil the hell out of it talking about it. I mean, probably, but I, I still encourage anybody. We don't have to spoil the ending. If we, we won't spoil be the ending. Yeah, nice about it. We can make that pack right now. We won't spoil the ending. No, that won't but happen. The ending is unusually unusual, in a good way. It is. It is and to the point where Preserve Dragons, uh, which is a T-shirt website uh, company, they this guy. Uh, who made who made us these custom made best of the best T-shirts? Martin Go. Martin Go. Uh, shout out to Martin Go. You are the man. Uh, he he shares the same affection for this movie that we do. I and, think a lot of people do. Yeah, I really do. It, I, I didn't realize. I, I think we when we started posting you know stuff about Eric Roberts, people were coming out of the woodworks talking about how much best of the best means meant to them. Yeah, and still means to them. But I think it's you know a, a movie that means something to you. At a certain point in your life, I mean, I guess that's the kind of whole the whole point of what we're doing here. It's like these little like lighting those fires of memory of like, oh, wait a minute, yeah, I love that movie, and that movie when I was a kid, they meant this much to me, and then I just forgot about it. Like the same way you know, like you play as a kid, and you're like, I loved playing a certain way, and then you just you just get harder as you get older, yeah. and then you just forget, and you just forget, and it's like this movie is one of those movies where you're like, oh yeah like this meant so much to me and i've just kind of pushed it away because i haven't thought about it for 30 years yeah and i and i guarantee you if if you like this movie back in the day and you haven't seen it in a while revisit it and you it will have the same impact on you i i guarantee it if not just please let us know on our instagram page because i love to have that deep discussion with you um this movie does hold up and the 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 themes are valid and they're and they're true it's like do your best fucking job you can do and and whether you win or lose at the end of the day if you can be proud of the fact that you did your best i get emotional just thinking about that because that's something that's lacking in 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 many ways today and it's going to be reminded of that Uh and yeah like uh so martin go made these kick-ass t-shirts for us that we wore for eric roberts and he loved him so much he's like oh I, i want one and then next thing you know Martin's making shirts for Eric Roberts and, and his wife, Eliza. And then he's making shirts for Philip Ree, Simon Ree, and the, the actor who plays Seijin Kwan. Uh, and, and, you know, and the, and the James shirt, Liu, James the Liu. shirt is named after you. Yeah. Well, I've, I was flattered with it. It's, it's <laughs> called the that. Zach Schaefer. Best, best, the best. The best number two special. <laughs> 
<laughs> with fries. No, it's yeah. So thank you. Anyone Martin. listening can can get that and. Uh, yeah, that's Martin, our cheap plug. Martin is not an official sponsor of the show, but he certainly should be yes. at this point. <laughs> um, but yes, you can go. You you can go on our Instagram and see the amazing photos of the shirt in action. Yeah, and you know, it, it's what what I love about this. It seems to me that a lot of the guys who made this movie back in the day are still friends. Uh, Eric Roberts basically said that. No, he did directly say that on the on the interview that it was one of the, the, the most fun shoots he's ever been on. Yeah. Like it was, it, everyone was always having a good time. It comes across on screen. Um, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a faithful for, for martial arts fans. They'll, they'll appreciate it because it's pretty, seems pretty faithful to this sport of martial arts. And for people that love a good drama, it locks that in too. And it, and it's got a great cast um louise fletcher from one flew over the cuckoo's nest is mm-hmm. in it uh every everybody plays so well and and i think that's another validating thing like the the directing the writing it, it's got some cheesy moments but like every movie has cheesy moments and and that's but at the end of the day it's just got such a schindler's heart. list i don't think has a lot of cheesy <laughs> moments Salvador, Salvador yeah, doesn't have one. a lot of cheesy that's moments. The only one I can think of, um, uh, but certainly from this time period, that's yes, wish. the eighties. Eighties has a lot of a lot of cheese. What I thought was interesting is that Eric Roberts is was not at all trained as a martial artist. No. Um, whereas the other cast members, I mean, outside of Chris Penn, yeah, uh, I didn't know. No, Chris, were. Chris Penn, yeah, Chris Penn was a martial artist too, but he wasn't like a like a like a degree black oh, yeah, belt yeah, yeah, to yeah. the level he just took that, it he took it the same way the like Reeves james coburn were. was trained yeah, by bruce Lee right kind of thing. right yeah 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 and Mar- yeah right. i think eric roberts actually said no. he was a phony like i'm right. a phony and i'm like yeah. he and I'm imposter like, no, syndrome yeah. affects everybody <laughs> oh my God. that's what we learned yeah i i have so much from the opening uh scene where the music hits this song tales of power tales of power which i sang again on our soundtrack episode yep. um so you got sports soundtracks for more information about that please do and there's a there's a there's a workout montage scene where they're playing this song called you know something so strong driving me on and i'm like yeah that's 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 me man Don't what, give it up. what movie what, what song are we talking about tonight oh yeah we really haven't established that we haven't. Well, we talked about Tales of Power a lot on. Uh, yeah. But I mean, best of the best is like the the song, the billboarded song. Yeah, I mean, it didn't billboard. It didn't chart anywhere. No, I just yeah, I mean, more billboarded in that like the name is the best of the best, and so yeah, the movie's called the best of the best. Someone will lose. Someone must win. Only the strong will. Uh, that's probably the song to talk about. Yeah, I agree. I mean, um, we went down a rabbit hole with with Tales of Power because we were like, "Oh, Santana wrote that shit." Yes, there are a lot of songs on this movie. Again, I don't want to just completely defer to our previous uh, sports soundtrack episodes, but we yeah. really get into um, all of the all of the songs in 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 depth, more or less. But uh, but yeah, best of the best, written by Ike Stubblefield. Ike Stubblefield, and I'm always kind of curious about these guys who do these one-offs. Yeah. Right. Um. Like, look, I get it. I, I know you and I, and, and and we have people who listen to the show 
who say, wow, you guys pull out some really obscure songs or movies yeah. or comments. Uh, and, and, and I, and I get that these guys are not a, a common knowledge for most people, but when you find a song that you really love and then you do some digging on who the artist is and you find out that this guy is like nowhere to be found or, you know, came and that went. he doesn't exist. He, not anymore. Right. It seemed, I, I mean, I can't find, I looked, yeah. I did some research yeah. and I couldn't find Well, that's find good. It. Somebody did. <laughs> I, no. I try, I try. No, it's good. Right. Ike Stubblefield, as we spoke previously about, is not, you know, he, he has the kind of name where you're like, yeah, Ike Stubblefield, I know his stuff. And well, then you're like, oh, I thought no, it might be didn't. one of those things where like uh, Glenn Shurick that you yes. revealed that he was this, the lead singer for Little River Band. And I'm like, okay, right. that makes sense. These if Ike guys, Stubblefield was the He's lead the lead singer, singer yeah, of, yeah. I don't know, uh, Foreigner or something right, like that. Right, White Lion. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Once bitten, twice shy, babe. Oh, that's great white, I think. White lines. When the children cry, yeah. when the children yeah. and they yeah and they cover uh, actually they cover Radar Love also. Wait, what? And the reason I bring up Radar Love is because it's on the best Wait. of the best soundtrack. Okay, there's way too many covers of Radar Love. That's what I'm learning right now. Yes, that's it's not, not a, a good song. song. No, no, that's another rabbit hole we Unless can go down. Doing again. a really good interpretation of it. The it's only cover. What's your favorite cover? Do you have a favorite cover off the top of your head? Well, I really like the cover as we spoke about of that's that Scandal does of Only the Journeys Only the Young. Yep. I think that's probably not my favorite, but it is at the top of mind. Yeah. Um and certainly when it comes to sports movies soundtracks, but just in general. But just in general. Hmm. <laughs> do you have one? I do actually. Okay, great. It's a modern one. It's a modern one. Okay. Um, there's a band, a guy. Well, it's a band. Uh, called the Night Game. And, oh, I've heard of them. And they I've heard of them. They are beyond that. Way or one guy. It's one guy. It's one guy, yeah. but he's got a full band that he tours with or toured with. Yeah. I don't think he's making music anymore, unfortunately. Really? That was fast. Yeah. Unfortunately, if you go on Instagram, it's like. I don't think it's happening. Not making music. If if forever. the night game ever listens to this, dude, please make more music because he's amazing. Look him up. Check him out. On what Spotify. are the odds that the night game is listening to this? Um, think? slim, uh, but not none. Point six percent. I'm gonna say six point nine. Point six point nine. Six oh six point nine percent. Yes. It seems high. Okay, yes. but that that's being, good. That being said, yeah. I you know a lot of covers are back in the day. I'm like, oh, that's a cover. Yeah. Oh, that's a cover. They do a cover. I think we're alone now. Is a cover? No, Tiffany wrote that. No, it's a cover. That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, 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 I was giving you good acting. Because yeah, yeah. when that, I was a kid, I was like, wait that, a minute. This and is that a was cover? believable because yes. I thought you were being yes. straight with me yes. on that. Um, but the Night Game cover a song called, uh, they mm. cover REM's It's the End of the World as we know it. They do? Yeah. Really? And it is amazing. Wow. And then this goes to what we talked about on a previous episode. If you're going to take a song or you're going to take a movie and you're going to redo it, just turn it on. Make its it head. yours, Make man. It, even if it yeah. sucks. Yeah. But at least you tried something different. You know, as much as I, it's overplayed. But back in the day, Santana's "Black Magic Woman" was a was a classic song. Some people still love that song. I get that. That the original version by Fleetwood Mac is a stripped down blues song, and it is so much different. And it's not Fleetwood Mac with Christine McVie and you know the whole deal. Yeah. It's like old school Fleetwood Mac and it's good 
but but the night games it's the end of the world as we know it's really good um and that's such a hard song to know any of the lyrics to so that's, and you actually can hear yeah, them wow. this time yeah which is kind of it's cool so he slow it down he slows it down mm. uh yeah because night game is like you know if you're a fan of that synth wave midnight yeah. uh you know fm84 gunship um which i'm a huge fan of all those guys especially the midnight yeah um they uh it's that got that 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 synth wave sound but yeah ike's so going back to the original point of ike's double field i thought maybe oh maybe this is the guy from you know uh, back in the day yeah. uh, mr mr or like there's a guy the, the, in the movie the wraith the opening song in the wraith you know which is uh which i'm sure we'll talk about the wraith at some point but i'm like that guy's got to be the lead singer from go west it's got to be yeah. no he's just another random guy like and yeah. i don't mean random in the sense that you know throw away but they're not he's not associated with like a bigger band yeah so that's, that's my point. yeah yeah that makes sense so best of the best is a it's a great workout song it is it's yeah it's 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 fine you know it's like one of those songs i i think it's like okay you're the best of the best it's like it's fine you know it's just an okay song. what about tales of power then tales of power i like more than best me too yeah. i just thought we'd single out that makes sense. You can follow along with it. But I will say, if you go on their IMDb page, which is, I always find this funny about the tags that these movies have. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're like, what? Really? Okay. So, you know, we talk about this on other episodes, plot keywords that get you, get you associated with the movie. Makes sense. Yeah. Martial arts movie. Martial arts tournament. Korea. Martial arts league. Fighting. And you go on their list, it's like so much of the same thing. And you go, pull cue, pull, pull hall, chop sake. Is that racist? Uh, it is now. I think that's racist. Yeah. Kung Fu classic, sure. Kung Flu. <laughs> did, did you know that the um, Walter Walter Grady, which is uh, the son, the son, is Eric Roberts' son, named after the father of Eric Roberts? No, that's weird. Did you know that Kane Hodder is in this film? Well, I, I did know that because you just Because I told, told you. Me, uh, Kane Hodder is, uh, you know, he's known for being Jason Voorhees, and he's a stuntman in the bar scene. The bar scene is actually Who is Jason Voorhees? Maybe people don't know that. Oh, okay, okay, okay. It's one of my favorite scenes in the movie, actually, is the bar fight scene. Jason from Friday the 13th. Which has Jason, Jason in it, yeah. And he gets his ass kicked by uh, Tommy Lee. Handedly. Yeah. Tommy Lee kicks the shit out of him. Yeah. It's great. And and, and Eric Roberts has great. such a badass kick. He kicks a guy through a glass window. Yeah. Uh, and it reminds me of a scene in The Warriors when Michael Beck throws a guy through like a bathroom stall door. It has that same effect where it's like slowed down. You're looking at the badass guy who just took out the main dude and it's just really vicious. And... The, the bar fight in this movie is absolutely insane it is insane literally everyone in the bar is fighting (laughs) like there's there's like you know 80 people in the bar and they're all fighting each other and uh the the amount of damage that these five guys do to the bar it's just one of those funny things where it's like they essentially destroy the bar they're just like (laughs) throwing people through windows right pool cues are obviously breaking over heads and uh, you know, women are fighting men, men are fighting. I just feel like everyone's just fighting each other. 
Yeah, and then the coach just comes in. James Earl Jones comes in. And is like, well, that's enough. Well, that's enough. <laughs> yeah, it, almost like it was a setup, right? Right, and then they just leave. You know, like just kind of walk out. <laughs> no, no repercussions. cops are called. You know, Tommy's upset because he didn't even want to fight. Yeah. And Eric Roberts is like, well, I just wanted to get a drink. Shit happens. Shit happens. <laughs> um, <laughs> Eric Roberts got some great lines. In but it's thing. just a funny thing where you're thinking about the owner of that poor bar, you know, the poor owner of that bar, up. like... Who's who's paying for the damage? Right. The U.S. national karate team yeah, they get, is going to get a going to get an invoice they, at some point for like especially you know, if it was if it was fifty thousand dollars worth of damage. Especially if it was set up, it was it seemed like it was set up for them to bond. It know? seemed like it, but then you're like, that's absolutely absurd. That makes no sense. It's not like in you know kickboxer where he's like, you're you know, I'm going to pay these guys to attack John Club while he's drunk. Yeah. Yeah. No. Chris Penn is kind of a jackass, and he's hitting on the, the girlfriend. No, he's not Virgil. He's, sorry, it's Travis. 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 Is, you know, he's hitting on the girlfriend of like the town yokel. Kane Hodder. Kane Hodder. Jason Voorhees. So, <laughs> yeah. So maybe you know, in this in this theory that you have, the girlfriend of Kane Hodder would have been paid to hit on Chris Penn. That's the rabbit hole I went yeah, down yeah. as as a kid. Because I'm like, why did this happen? This happened for a reason. It's a fight in town. These guys have to bond. They haven't bonded yet. They they're 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 rooming together. You All know, right. uh, Tommy and Alex are rooming together. Travis and Virgil are rooming together. Sonny and uh, the assistant, the assistant coach. coach are rooming together. <laughs> Which you yeah. found to be very amusing, by the way. I think it's weird. It's like you know, like you made the national team, and your roommate is Don Peterson, the statistician. <laughs> hey, it's uh, fantastic! It's fantastic. Who has like a wall? Like he's got like a just like a wall of like stats and tapes, yeah. and I've got everything from uh, you know yeah. nineteen seventy six. Yeah. He's like an old prospector. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, he, uh, my name's Doby Gray. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> he does have a weird cadence when he talks. He does, and you you nailed the cadence. Thank you. You cadence A plus. You know what cadence. else I nail in this movie? Air trumpet. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> did not know where we were going for a minute, but yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I was able to show off to Eric Roberts. Spectacular air air trumpet. How many people get to do that? By the way, get to show off their their skills yeah. to their the person that taught them those yeah. skills to begin with. Um, not too many people. Not too many people. <laughs> uh, Abraham Lincoln, probably being one of them. Which you dropped uh, in the beginning of this episode, by the way. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm bringing it. It's a callback. Yeah, but it's, it's but I can't connect to anything because <laughs> I'm not that good at my skills tonight. He had a booming voice, just like James Earl Jones. No. Um, by the way, have you ever been in a bar fight? Not directly. I've been there when it kind of went down, and like friends have been there. Um, it's really interesting when you are in a bar and you are much more sober than other parties Yeah, and you know, your relationship to time is just different. Like you can kind of see it. You're like, Oh, this is going to be a fight. This is going to be a fight in like 30 seconds. And I, I, the most notable one was like a new year's Eve 20 years ago. And it was like, it, it was at a time when I would still, it's quick aside, but like, 
when you were in your 20s, like no matter what you did for New Year's Eve, it was like never good. Like nothing ever seemed good enough. Yeah, you know, totally. you're like, I got like, it's got to be good. It's got to be the best fucking yeah. thing. And it's never good enough. Yeah. And now I'm just like, oh, I'll stay home. I'll do nothing. I'll yeah. be with close friends. And it's great. Overrated. Um, it is. It is. It is. Because you start to realize that all you're going to do is pay an, you know, an obscene amount of money to like just get in the door somewhere. Yeah. They're going to have like an open bar for 25 minutes with the shittiest booze you've ever had. Yeah. You're not going to meet the love of your life. No, I'm sorry, nothing's you're not. no, you're nothing's not. nothing's going to happen. No. That you know, you're like maybe you watch too many movies. You're a little excited about all the possibilities. Oh my gosh, this is the one going into the new year. Yeah. Whether yeah, you know, whether it's that or whatever. Yeah. But so this was one of those nights where I was at a point where I was like starting to be like I don't care that much about what I do, but at the same time I was like oh, but you still got to go out. I got I got to have an open bar somewhere. Yeah. So I was living in New York City. Went to a open bar. Uh, Upper West Side. I'm sure. I think I paid like seventy bucks to get in the door. You okay. know, and I, and I, and you know you calculate seventy bucks. You know you calculate just to walk in the door to walk in the door. Yeah, and you get one little glass of champagne. But it, but it was it was it was open bar for like two hours or something. But so I calculated with my buddies like okay, we got to be there right when this starts. You know at eight forty five. Yeah, all the beautiful honeys are gonna be there. And we're gonna <laughs> even if we're like early in the bar, we're gonna get. Um, you know, we'll have made our money's worth because we'll just just be drinking constantly. And so by the time the ball yeah, drops, fair enough. This was one of those crazy. So by the time the ball drops, by the time the my ball stomach drops, is gonna empty out. Um, <laughs> but so it was. It was a lot of like Long Island iced teas and just like shitty boot, right? You know, yeah. you just and high sugar drinks. Yep. And hangover, hangover candy. Yes, it was actually a night where my my friend uh, my friend got roofied. Um, my male friend got roofied because he drank he drank the drink of a of a of a female friend. No shit. And it turned into like a Saving Private Ryan night where I was like I had him like fireman's carry over this snowdrift, wow. and that's a whole other story. But <laughs> this particular night, you know, um, wow. we're like three hours in, and I can see that. A lot of guys are like really all going after the same girls. Wow. And this one guy that I'm with, who's like a good friend of, of one of my best friends, um, is like interested in a girl. And I should say, this guy already has a girlfriend. So he has really no business, you know. But he's like interested in a girl. His girlfriend's there. Oh, what yeah. a dirty dog. Yeah. But basically, what happens is. He kind of bumps a guy. I can see like this guy, you know, the guy behind him who he's bumped is like fucking wasted. Oh, no. This is bad news. Yeah. So that guy comes up. He pushes that guy, you know, and basically it's just pandemonium. Ugh. Like, and I'm like, in, I'm involved by proxy because yeah. I'm not, you know, it's one of those situations where I'm like, I'm friends with this guy, but it's like, I'm not really going to fight for you because like. If I'm loyal to you, of course I'm going to fight for you. But it's yeah. like, but it's like eh, you're kind of in the wrong here. And I saw this go down. So, yeah. yeah. And your girlfriend's over there weeping. Right. And then she, you know, and then she actually comes up. She's like, I said no fighting tonight. You know, it's like, so, you, you know, like oh, some man. guys just are looking for it, you know. Yeah, that was one. I, You know, I've been in, cl- yeah, I've never like just like, th- you know, like been in a situation where like just I'm, you know, uh, going knuckle down. over knuckle, throwing down yeah. with some guy in a bar. Yeah. Uh, thankfully. Because uh, it doesn't seem very fun. No, I mean, based on yeah, <laughs> based on like hearing the stories of Zach Ward, 
Right, where he's secretly like delighted by the fact. Kind of likes it a little bit. Like he loves it a lot because it's like the closest thing to enlightenment that he feels where yeah. he can just. Yeah. It, it becomes a reactive it experience. Do it for me. Uh, where he actually was like, I, I bestow this gift upon you guys. I want you to go out and get in a. You know, I mean, don't get in a bar fight, but if you ever do find yourself in one, what a gift. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know, I found and that. I see his point, but I also, you know, he's a guy who was trained for certain things to. to that if they did happen, it was like, oh, this is all good. Yeah, he's um, a legit badass. I don't consider myself in by any means. And no, I'm a, I'm the complete opposite of legit badass. <laughs> I just don't. I mean, that's why I love a movie like Best of the Best because I'm living vicariously through these characters and and this idea of like, wow, Eric Roberts saying that he he never he wasn't a fighter, didn't know how any yeah. martial arts. You wouldn't know that watching no, this no. movie. You watch this movie and you're like, this guy looks like he would tear your head He's off. He's developed his own style, yeah. his posing. Yeah, you his know. whole movement yeah. is... And, and he is he comes from a dancing background and he talked about yeah. that. I love that about him again. And, and, and I know obviously we're talking about best of the best. Specifically Eric Roberts, one of the things I love is that for me it broke away the stereotype that you know, he he talked about how like he was a dancer and he liked to perform and and he had more he was kind of more effeminate in that yeah. way, but but I'm like, yeah, and you're a cool and and, and you can be cool and have all those things about you. You don't have to be a meathead that starts fights in a bar while your girlfriend is in the corner, you know, yelling, "Don't no more fights." You well, know? sure, but that's the difference between like the movie reality and the reality. Yeah, you know, it's like. Yeah. But I think that was pressed upon me as a kid. Like I embraced those moments of like, oh, you can, you can be. This is you don't have to oh, be this sure. way, you know. Sure. Like you don't have to be the stereotypical way. Like I, my older brother, I love my older brother, but he was the guy who got in fights all the time. He was the guy that started shit with people, you know, because he right. was very angry. Okay, and did you ever talk to him about that? Like why? why? Oh yeah, like yeah. at one point uh, we got jumped one time in San Jose by a gang. The gang, right? This, yeah. this I think maybe it was featured in a Quicksilver episode. That was in the. Or, I don't know. I don't know. I think it might have been Billy Jean, maybe. Billy Jean, perhaps. Yes, yes, and uh, and and he at one point he's like, I could have snapped both their necks. He had these two guys in headlocks. But was he? But okay. But he had nothing to do with you guys getting jumped. He didn't like, in, no, there was no, it, it you know, was precipit- his he didn't incite it. No, it was, it was his friend. It was yeah. his friend that started the whole thing. And that yeah. guy too had anger issues. You know? Sure. That guy terrorized me as, as, cause he lived with us for like two months. Oh my God. And the guy was so abusive. And it, it's so funny because it's like, you know, you, you look back on your life and I look back on these moments that you look back on that moment in the bar and nears and like things could have gone to shit. You could have been knifed or who knows what could happen. For sure. And nowadays it's like, I feel like everybody's carrying at this, yeah. in this day and age, yeah. someone would get killed. Yeah. But back then Shot. you look yeah. back on it and you're like, ah, this is this wacky right. moment or whatever. <laughs> I can talk about it now. Yeah. I look back at all those things. I, you know, rehash stories with you and you're like, oh my God. That's crazy. And I go, yeah, yeah, this happened to me and I'm okay. You know, we all live through it. I mean, we haven't even touched upon, do, did you, is there a bar fight story? I'm sure there is. Oh, right? for me? Um, yeah, I, I, I was, I was the rebel. You were almost kidnapped first and then you <laughs> ended up in a bar. I was almost kidnapped yeah. by, by uh, you know, the space aliens yeah. and they, uh, they probed me. No, I, I would, I, I was the guy who, I was like the silly loudmouth guy. 
that would be at a bar swinging my taking my shirt off and swinging it around and thinking I was funny because I thought I was Trent from Swingers. Oh, because because like the drunker you get, the more. Oh, I wasn't drunk. I was like oh almost stone cold sober. And your shirt would be off. Yeah, because I just love to make a lot of noise and yell and like the song would come on and I'd be singing along to it and I'd be getting up on top of a table and like nice entertaining people because I that's what I love to do is entertain people. Yeah, and. Uh, and and then uh, invari- I'm an entertainer. Invariably, uh, you know, there'd be some beautiful babies there, and they're like, "Oh my god, he's so crazy!" Beautiful like babies, him. reference from Swingers, yes, by the way. Yes, yes, so yes. And I and I would I would you know I'd eat that shit up, and and uh, and they would have boyfriends who would get pissed off at me, and they'd like push me around. But then my my two buddies, Matt and Terry, would be the first ones to like step in and like kind of take over yeah, for me because they knew great. that wasn't my that wasn't my role. Like, like I listen, Zach, you're the start the fight guy. <laughs> We will finish it, all right? Yeah, you, you, you're you're like that. You look like that big angry bear with the claws, right? But we're the ones who have the claws. Yeah, we'll you know whatever trouble you get into is fine tonight. <laughs> so we'll just take care of it. So I would see movies like Best of the Best as a kid and as a teenager and be like, I'm gonna be like that. I'm gonna have these mad skills right. when I get, I'm not right. gonna take no shit. Right. And then I get older, I'm like, I'm just gonna watch, see this all unfold. You know? Yeah. So yeah, no bar fight stories for me, really. More thanks just, to Matt and Terry. Thanks to Matt and Terry. Yeah. Absolutely, actually. You know, I wrote my essay to get into college about swingers. A little trivia about me. Um, really? Yeah, and which is funny in retrospect because I'm like, but it meant a lot to me at that time. I don't I think it's like, funny at all. I think it. I but I'm right there with you. Yeah. I wrote. I wrote. Uh, my first. My first major essay was on the movie Boogie Nights, and like 20, 24 pages or something like that. Wow. Back in the day. And how I compared it to the nuclear family of the 1950s. Okay. That sounds like a good essay. <laughs> and my teacher loved it, my professor. It's a lot uh, of pages. But yeah, it was crazy. I might still have it. Um, but Swingers, I could see that too. Swingers has got such a huge impact on me too as, yeah. a, as a young adult. Yeah. Um, it's funny, the movies that you hold on to. And, and say, oh, I could watch this any day of the week. I could put this in right, right now, and I would watch it. It could be midway through, and I would just be captivated. Sure. Just like Best of the Best, just in that sense that these movies just, they they touch something. They touch something in you. Yeah. So was, was your essay, I, I love, do you still have it? No, and nor do I really remember what it was about, but I think it had a lot to do with the, um, just sort of the vulnerability of the characters. Um, so well written. Yeah. I mean, that's and, a whole other episode we could do on it. And uh, yeah, Swingers written by John Favreau. You know, I, I think when his character is like calling up the girl and just overthinking and then he's calling the girl and he's leaving the message and he's like, oh, no, no, that was a bad message. Let me just clarify what I just meant on the last message. And it's so awkward. But like that was my life at that point. Me too. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're just, yeah, you're just overthinking and, well, maybe I should clarify. And no, okay, no, and if you, you know, oh, cut me off. Okay, you know, and it's like, oh, dude, just hang up the phone. But yeah, so I'm not, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it was a concise, well thought out essay. I don't remember anything about it, though. Just that I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to write about this movie. But I feel like I'm still that way. I'm, and, and I've just matured. I, I don't, I don't handle it as, as, as harshly as I, used to but i'm still an overthinker 
over. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. You know, where I'm just like, oh, I hope I didn't hurt anybody's feelings sooner with you. you know? Right. Oh, I'm going to do that one more time. Right. Thank like, God we know, had. You send out that email and then it's just like, just like sits there for three days and you're like, well, maybe they're taking this email badly. Yeah. But Did no, I put just, enough emojis yeah, on it? Right. <laughs> well, it's it, that's an interesting point because I, I never used emojis like for the longest time. I was very late to them. Me too. But I think that there is something about them, right, where it instantly diffuses. Yep. It really does. It instantly diffuses whatever, it, you know, possible, wh- whatever you think could be misinterpreted. Yep. Here's an emoji to say, this is how I mean it. Yeah. Um, a wink, a crying laughing, a smiley face. <laughs> a head um, exploding with a nuclear bomb coming out of the top of it, mushroom cloud. <laughs> you know, it really does because you start to realize like how important they are to the way we function now as a society. Like they're really integral. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Uh, you know what was not in, misinterpreted in uh, Best of the Best? <laughs> the uh, the ending? No, no. When uh, when Travis says to Tommy, uh, "What are you yellow?" Oh yeah, totally racist. Yeah, comment. And Tommy looks at him, deadpan, and says, "Obviously." Yeah, which is one of my favorite lines. Yeah, in the movie. it's a great line. And. I just I love that wink of like again that's probably Philip Remus. We at some point we have to talk to Philip Re and yeah. find out about this because call him up because he uh, would he have used emojis back in the day? <laughs> Obviously, crying, laughing. <laughs> ah. um, hey, can we talk a little bit about what happened in 1989? Oh yes, please. So obviously I've we love wondering. best of the best, but um, 1989 the movie the year it came out. Actually, doing a little bit of digging, I was like, oh, yeah, 89 was a really impactful year for me in many ways. Um, first of all, Another Day in Paradise by Phil Collins was one of the top mm. songs back in the day. That is a that is choice, as I like to say. It's, um, it's a choice song. Yeah, it's one of those Phil Collins songs that I don't immediately think of, but it is a good one. Yeah. It's it's off of uh, I forget what album that I think it's maybe off the same album with Seuss with Studio. I I don't know any of his albums, but I do know that I had a little karaoke machine uh, in my house. You know, before karaoke was really even a thing present wow. in my life, but it was a little you know because was he Teddy Ruxpin and you put put something in his orifice? There were two. You <laughs> put something in Teddy Ruxpin's orifice. <laughs> there were two cassettes. You know, the tape uh, entry. There were two or- orifices for cassette tapes. The left one, you know, played the songs, and then, then the right one, you could record your voice right over the songs. Yeah, that was one of them. And it was like, I was like, oh, I really like this full con song. And then I'd be like, she comes out to the mat. Like, there's no way to sing that. No. Well. No. You no. know, I, that's what I. That's what I. It's not. It's it's not. Uh, it's not against all odds. No, but you know what? It's 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 still a damn no. good song. Um, the big movies that came out that year yeah. uh, were well, Batman came out in '89, the original Batman, the original with Michael Keaton and That's great. Jack Nicholson, classic. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which for as far yeah. as trilogies go, yep. it was uh, better than a plus choice. Yes, choice. very choice. Lethal Weapon two, uh, which our to- good buddy Diallo on the toilet. Yeah, it was actually. Um, a, Did Diallo write Lethal Weapon 2 and I didn't know this no. this whole time? Oh, my God. <laughs> no, but he loves that movie more than Lethal Weapon 1. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can see that. I don't, but I do love it. 
I can see that because the characters are established. There's a little more comedy. It's it's it is it's know? more of a buddy comedy than the diplomatic first one. immunity. Diplomatic immunity, and yeah. it's got a surfboard taking somebody's head off. Uh, you remember the surfboard scene? Yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's, I mean, it's a cool movie. Yeah, um, the uh, Sony Walkman back in 1989 yeah. was $79. That's so expensive. That's outrageous, That's dude. So expensive. It's outrageous. Uh, <laughs> you can get an iPhone for that much. Because people talk about, oh, the iPhone's so expensive. You're like, right. yeah, well, wait, first of all, hold on. Back in the day, you had to have a camera to take pictures. You had to have a Walkman to play music. Yeah. You had to have a phone to call, call people on the call people have an on the phone. answering machine. A- have an answering machine wanted. separately. Yeah, separately. And then you had to have a computer uh, to play well, video games. I mean, to what we wanted. Yeah, oh, right. And a gaming device. Right. Five things all in one now. Right. Oh, and a notepad to, uh, you know, write notes. Right. So And everything was slow. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. You know what's weird? It's like, because we're doing this and we're like looking back at 1989, but I'm thinking like when they're looking back at 2020 and they're like, oh man, COVID-19 kept people, kept the entire fucking world <laughs> in quarantine for however many months. This is topical. While you're at home, stuck in your beautiful abode... You can go back in 1989 and realize that the 89 earthquake was that year. Where was the 89 earthquake? In San Francisco. Oh, in San Francisco, uh, yes. Yes, fun fact, my birthday. My wife's birthday is my on. Birthday. Your 12th birthday was the, were you in the area? In yeah. San, you were in the Bay Area during the earthquake. Do you want to talk about that experience? Um, my instinct when this happened was to jump on my bed and surf the earthquake. Weird. Yeah, I know. Surf the gnar. I, I shed the gnar on the earthquake. I didn't, I did not panic. I legit looked at this as an opportunity to surf it. To surf it. I surfed the earthquake. And I, I remember as I jumped on my bed, looking out the window and seeing all the cars bouncing up and down. Oh like, like it was like a, like a nightclub and it was like, and people were just like jumping up and down. That's what the cars looked like. But yeah, that's, that's... Why was that your instinct? How did you not even do that? I don't know. Maybe because I grew up in the Bay Area and you know, earthquakes yeah. were a thing. That, that's what I did because I'm a complete weirdo. You know, 12, you're weird and you're awkward. 12, you is, 12 is weird and awkward. Yeah, you don't do things that make sense. No. But no, I was and you never... And were, you were hurt that you're like, it's on my birthday. Well, yeah, it was... You know what? I was like, the party's getting started. This is what we're doing. So you were just, But you were by yourself. I was by myself in my room, yeah. But you were planning, you had a party planned? I did, nobody came. Uh, because of the earthquake? Because of the earthquake. Because they were all dead. Because, no, the electricity <laughs> went out. And my mom oh, was man. in the, listen to this, my mom was in the middle of making my birthday dinner. It was like rice and chicken or whatever. <laughs> and, um, yeah, electricity goes out. Uh, no one, you know, you got to keep the refrigerator closed. Um, so I had warm milk and Cheez-Its for dinner. On the front lawn oh while we watched God. our little mini, our mini uh, TV. Do you guys remember those portable TVs? Yeah, yeah. with the handle. <laughs> we had that on. I don't know why, but we had it on in the front yard. And I remember drinking warm milk and Cheez-Its for my birthday dinner. Anyways, um, yeah, so no one came to my 12th birthday. <laughs> I feel like now that you've processed that, your life's going to get really infinitely better. Oh, it already has. Just talking about this. Just yeah. since you said it now? 
Well, you know, no, but I mean, just but how you have you ever processed that moment? Oh, um, yeah, you many process, times, every, yeah, many every times. year. Oh, because I, you know, what? I have to tell you, every birthday on you October seventh, oh, okay. October seventeenth has since then been been deemed Earthquake Safety Day. For you? No, for the world. For oh, because <laughs> <laughs> right, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, there you have it. Yeah. 12th birthday, 89. I'm... You know, it was crazy. My brother had, like, nine fish tanks in his bedroom. And uh, I remember, like, them sliding off. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, there was just, like, some of them shattered on the floor. That's Mom a lo- lost some goblets. You know, That's a lot of standard. fish tanks. Yeah, for, he has a lot of fish For tanks. one. I know. Boy. He's very moist in his room. Oh, God. <laughs> Are you one of those people that don't like the word moist? I don't like the word moist in relationship to rooms and things that aren't cake, you know, things that aren't sponge. In relation to uh, my wife's story about her horrible birthday experience on the day that many people lost their lives. um, (laughs) uh, I was going to say in the fact that her mom didn't. You know, do what she should have done. Will Smith won a Grammy for his album. Parents just don't understand. That is the strangest segue it, you've ever know, done. No, because parents just don't understand. Like oh she's my. twelve, oh and you know what? My she, God. she they should have like done something special for her. You got to think about your kids. Yeah, that's true. That's sorry, whole... your the earthquake ruined your birthday, honey. You know what? It's okay. Let's have a let's have a party tomorrow. You know, like that. Um. <laughs> Yeah, that that was that was definitely probably the the highlight slash low light of 1989. Uh, but but the fact that that well, and that was the same year the Niners won the Super Bowl, San Francisco 49ers. So like the Bay Area had something to be happy about and very sad about. But didn't they? Okay, but they so they they won the Super Bowl and then the earthquake happened. Then the earthquake happened, uh, yeah, in like the fall. You know, eight months later. And I was stoked that year because the Detroit Pistons won the NBA championship. The, the bad boys. The bad boys. That was their first of two back to, they won back to back championships in 89 and 90. The, uh, Isaiah Thomas, Bill Lambeer, uh, Dennis Rodman, man. Dennis Rodman, Vinnie Microwave Johnson, yeah. Joe Dumars. Because the man heated, he would heat up. He was a three-point specialist, and he would heat up and start hidden trays That's from behind the line. Microwave? And yeah, he was called the microwave. Everyone had a nickname back then. There were a lot of nicknames, a fair amount of nicknames. Yeah, and Bill Lambeer, you know, was everybody, people would call him Lame Beer, Lame Beer. They would be like, oh, he's ruthless, he's a jerk. And the the Pistons yeah. were, they, I, I know you're a Clipper guy in, through and through, but yeah. the Pistons will always be my team. I pretty much tapped out after 1990, 91. Once they, once they won in 89, you're like, I, they're not winning anymore. Well, no, no. You I'm know what it was? I, I, I knew I knew the, the Bulls were on their way. I knew the Bulls were just going to steamroll everybody. I just could tell. Like, you knew the minute Jordan took off, like, this is going to be the dynasty team, right, of the of the 90s. And they are. They, they were. Um, and I think I lived in the Bay Area at the time. And I everywhere I went, Wearing a Detroit Pistons hat T-shirt, I got so much shit from people. Oh, that sure. team sucks. Right. You're so like, if I can't do this anymore, and I yeah. to this, I will fight tooth and nail as a parent, 
as a you just as, get mad interrogative. You know? Yeah, whereas yeah. yeah, this is the one thing I will stand up for, like as an ally for people. If you like something, that's all that matters. Oh yeah, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, screw those people that have to get in your face. Oh, Dodgers suck! Like, the, the, why do people in San Francisco hate LA Dodgers so much? With the bat, like, fine, yeah. channel channel that into something else, you know. And I guess going a little bit back to best of the best. I love that idea of like, you don't have to be a dick to the guy, your opponent. Right. You know what I'm saying? And even if your opponent murdered your brother, even if he murdered your brother and then, yeah, yeah there's a really sweet thing there. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so that's, I kind of tapped out. I'm like, well, fine. Then I'm not just gonna, not going to watch sports anymore. And I started to, I'm like, this is stupid. If this is how people are mm. about their sports, I started. So not the alienate fans who are really passionate about their teams. I respect that. But uh, you know, it's like I get a little sick of the. Uh, well, but the, are because are you saying that you were basically bullied into not? Yeah, liking I was totally your team. Bullied into it. Yeah. So that's sad. Yeah, it's super sad. Yeah. I actually, this was the beginning of like you know, middle school sucked. Middle school's terrible. It's terrible. There's nothing good about I middle school. Yeah, you know what? You're not a part of this. You're the only person. <laughs> I will say. I was called more things in middle school that I can't, if I said them now, like I would be in trouble for, for saying the things. That right. I well, I'm sure the, you know, I'm sure Trump says them every day. I'm sure he does he too. And he doesn't get in trouble. He probably uh, said them to you. He probably was the guy. Right. Right. But, uh, yeah, middle school aside, uh, and the earthquake, and the earthquake obviously, apparently, uh, AOL came out around 1989. Did you know that? The AOL no. Welcome and You've Got Mail sounds were recorded in 1989. Oh, on a cassette deck. A cassette deck. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't really care enough to look up AOL, you know, details. But I guess that sounds right. I don't know. Yep. I remember that. I mean, AOL was the internet. Like, if you wanted that, you know. You got mail. So happy. Someone for us that uh, I think we can appreciate. His he passed away in 1989. Mel Blanc, mm. the iconic voice of well, Porky Pig, Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, and of many others. Every Looney Tune. Every single. Such a talented. So, I mean, yeah, another legend. Uh, and last but not least, in 1989, just to end it on a on a can't, happy can't note. Can't wait to where we're going. <laughs> The Energizer Bunny was introduced to the public, ah. replacing Mary Lou Retton as the spokesperson oh, fun trivia. for Energizer I batteries. Mary Mary Lou was probably like, I can't wait till I get renewed for my contract. And they're like, yeah, listen, Mary Lou, I got some bad news. Um, we're replacing you. You know, she's like, who are you replacing me? No, it's just like a motorized uh, bunny that, that like hits a drum and plays a cymbal sometimes. <laughs> But Mary Lou, so, we got you a great part in this movie called Scrooged with uh, Bill Murray. Uh, yep. So yeah, we got that quick, for you. Very quick. Uh, very quick role. <laughs> Wait, but I. Uh, but I. You'll be uh, tiny no, Tim. Sorry. I, I just. I just want to mention one more thing. Okay. Uh, Mike and the Mechanics, The Living Years, song oh. was one of the top hits of 1989, and that is actually one of my favorite songs. Is uh, it? Uh, not. Not like. Of 1989. Uh, no, I'd say it's in like top 20. It's in my top 20. Of 1989. Yeah. Yeah. Is this song in the top 20 of of all your favorite songs? Yeah. In eleven years is when he, yeah. <laughs> your face is so serious. Yeah. Yeah. You can listen as well as you hear. Yeah, that song. I feel like I, 
I'm like, is that really what he's saying? Yeah. Um, I also didn't, I, I'd misheard the lyrics for a long time. Um, I didn't realize that he was saying, uh, to admit we don't see eye to eye. So I felt like he was just, I'm like, what the fuck is he saying? <laughs> to admit, to, to where, where are we going? To what? Wasn't Mike in the Mechanics, uh, wasn't he the guy from Genesis? Genesis, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty badass. Yeah. So there you go. There you have it. Like we've said, this is the precursor to our interview with Eric Roberts. Uh, we are really excited about that to share that with you guys because Eric was you, you don't often get the chance to meet your hero and have it live up to the expectations that you were hoping it would be. And this was one of those moments for me personally where I was like, wow, that was as good as I was hoping it would be. You had had this image of him as your hero for your entire life. There he was in front of you. Wow. What a country. <laughs> what a country. Eh? Um, I just think that this is like, this is a big interview, man. I mean, the man is always making a movie. Just the fact that he even had time to sit down with us yeah. is unbelievable. So, yeah, we were very grateful to have him on the show. We got him wedged in. And yeah. I just think this was going to make our podcast the best podcast in the world. Look, I not to toot yeah. our own horn, but uh, yeah. toot toot. And you know, just to wait, if you if you had a if you had a horn, like an air horn, for example, yeah. if, we go. what would that sound? <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, really it's quick, tooting the horn, man. just to just to digress even more uh, yeah. and, and, to, and to stretch it out. You know, we obviously do this show because we love it. Uh, we love sharing this with everybody. For those of you that listen to our show and subscribe and all that good stuff, thank you because um, you know what. This is this is this is warming our hearts. Being able to do a show like this, uh, getting to have fun and tell silly stories and reminisce about all the fun times in back in the day, and also uh, detach from reality and the current state yeah. of affairs for a little bit. So thanks for listening. We it really means a lot. Yes, and a lot of a lot of podcasts will have really great content, and then they'll be like, go to our Patreon and pay a million dollars to hear that. We don't do that here. The, on this all the content that you that we do you just get for free because that's what you want to hear also this is starting to feel like a little bit like when you're dating somebody at the beginning of the dating them and you're on the phone with them you're like no you hang up first. <laughs> no you hang up okay at the same time one two three one two three two yeah, you hang up three. oh you didn't hang up you didn't hang up you're still here Oh man. Anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks no, for you listening. Hang up. No, you and, hang up. And and on that note, we'll catch you on the flip side. And, oh, you're still there? Or will we? Oh. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the All right. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a four... Is it five-star rating? <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We really... Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. If you listen to us on Spotify, that's great too. And you can find us on the internet. 
Don't forget to check out our website at $2LateFee.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at $2LateFeePodcast. We'll see you next time. We did it. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.